you're listening to the North Peace Roundtable podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and Christian life. You were uh, rocking to the beat there, Corlin. (laughs) It's a a good morning. Thanks for tuning in. We are on episode 91 91 of the North Peace Roundtable podcast. That's for you, it's probably more than a hundred then, because you did a ton with Dawn before we like officially yeah. like re jumped started re- rebranded the, rebranded yeah the podcast yeah I did uh, uh, my sister was here visiting and she asked why what because she I don't think she realized like that Dawn had had left and resigned yeah. for a bit and gone into but she was like why do you record with like the young guy instead of the old guy now I was like <laughs> oh snap. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Oh, man, that's funny. Oh, that made me laugh. But anyways, thanks for tuning in. Uh, my name is Andrew, and... My name's Corland. I was, I, you threw me I off. I threw you for a loop, because yeah. usually I'm like, with me as always. But yes, Andrew and Corland are here, and we are recording episode 91. We have a few questions that were sent in, and we'll see uh, how far we get on the first one, because it's a really interesting... It's amazing. It's a good question. Good question, good topic that we'll wrestle through. And then we had one left over. I remember... Our super fan sent an email with four questions. We only answered three of them, so we have a little uh, leftover question that we want to. Do we want to do the leftover question first? Uh, yeah, maybe. Let's that, do that. That way we in make order sure we of, get to it. And we okay. Don't forget about it. So uh, this person's last question was: Please discuss how to test the spirits, and then they quote First John. Shoppers has these little litmus tests <laughs> that like just like hold in the air. That's I'm kidding. I thought you meant like your blood pressure test. No, you no. put your arm in the cuff <laughs> and then it like squeezes your arm. I remember as a kid loving doing that. Did really? you ever do that? I, I'm sure. And I was like, my parents were always like, Andrew, stop. That's for actual like people who want to check. I was like, please. Can I just put my, cause it felt so weird when it like squeezes your arm. Anyways. Wow. Okay. First John four one says this, um, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh, so this person's asking, okay, I guess it's not like a a, leg- uh, a specific question, but just discuss like, what does that, what does that mean? mean? How do you test the spirits? And wh- what does John mean by spirits? Like, I think we automatically assume like, Ooh, right? Yeah. Like, how do I test... It's almost Halloween. This is our spooky episode, yeah. <laughs> but but how do you test the spirits? What is John getting at, and how do you do it? I think if we're going for like a really simple answer right off the bat, like if you only have the next couple of moments, and then you have to get back to work or something, or somebody's <laughs> yelling, or your baby starts crying, I think in in essence, what he is saying is to hold up to scripture and to the words of Jesus in their entirety what the spirits are are saying. Uh, mm-hmm. to see if they hold true. If they hold true to scripture, then you can know that, that you know, you've tested and, and it is something from God. But if it is not of scripture in any way, shape or form, then you would know that it is not right. Cause we know that scripture is the final and full revealed word of God. Yep. It is the truth of the gospel to make you wise unto salvation. Right. Yeah. So that needs to happen as if you, I don't know, a hypothetical situation. If you are, out and about and you suddenly have an encounter and you think that you see Jesus in front of you and he's like, Hey, I have a special word for you. You are the true prophet that will restore the church and I will bring 
healing to the entire nation of Canada through you specifically. Oh boy. <laughs> Wait, that's the not very, the very first question you should be asking is where do I see that in scripture? Yeah. Yep. And if you do not see those things in scripture, it should be a giant red flag that it's probably not actually Jesus who is speaking to you. Yeah. Yep. I would agree with that. And then, yeah, I think it's specifically because John goes on and says like many false prophets have gone out into the world. Yeah. So I'm not, there are spiritual forces in the world, angels, demons, totally. And uh, they interact, I think, yep. with us. I'm not trying to downplay like, oh, it's not spirits uh, per se. So it can be that for sure. Yep. And to test, to go, you know, okay, if I'm hearing something that's telling me, you know, divorce your spouse, it's probably not uh, a spirit from God, the good God side. Divorce. Right. It's, so, yeah. and I've actually, I've actually heard that example. Someone was like, no, God told me that I should divorce my wife. And it was kind of like, buddy, I don't think he did. Because let's let's test it, right? Malachi yeah. two. I the Lord hate divorce and all these other examples. Yeah. So it was like that was a clear example. Yeah. But then when John mentions false prophets, I think he's specifically also saying like teachers who come in the name of God and say things. Yeah. So you know Joseph Smith. This is an old example, yeah. but hey, I found gold plates. The angel Moroni came and told me that blah 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 blah. There's this lost tribe of Israel and. Jesus yeah. and Satan are brothers and all of these crazy things. Yeah. I think John would say, uh, test that yeah. and go, okay, well, we know for a fact that Jesus and Satan are not brothers. Jesus is not a created being. Scripture's yeah. really clear. So we can test it, right? So yeah. I think he's uh, he goes on, too, to give us some, like, if you keep reading the passage. Amazing what that can do, hey? Right? The context. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Okay, so yeah. when we're thinking like, okay, is this the spirit of God or is this a false prophet? Is this a false spirit? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Um, so one, one test, I don't think that's the only one, but yeah. John says one test is if someone comes and says, oh yeah, Jesus didn't actually come in the flesh. Yeah. Well, John says every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. Yeah. Okay. And so I think also what John is saying there is that the the entirety of Jesus is coming and what he did here. He's not just saying that yeah. he believed that Jesus came because Joseph Smith would say he believed yeah, Jesus totally. came. Muhammad, the prophet, would say that Jesus was a true prophet, probably the only sinless prophet, right? Muslims would yeah, believe that. Totally. So it's not just a belief in the fact that Jesus existed on this earth. It is the fact that Jesus actually carried out the full mission that he says he did. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so I think, um, like you said at the beginning, the test is, yeah, does this line up with the revealed word of God that we already have? Like, is there things that, I mean, you've been studying cults with the, the youth. And so, yeah, when a Jehovah Witness says certain things immediately, Right. So if they come and knock on your door and they're like, hey, we're Christians too. take this pamphlet and then you read the pamphlet, you should immediately go, OK, is this actually in the Bible or yeah. is this a twisting of the Bible? Right. Yeah. Is it actually clear? Like, so, yeah, um, their translation of the Bible that they wrote, John 1, 1 says in the beginning uh, was the word and the word was with God. And in the Jehovah Witness translation and the word was a uh, God. God. So you and should changing immediately the meeting. So you should immediately go, 
I should, I need to look into that. That doesn't sound right. That would be kind of testing yeah. the spirits, right? Testing and going, is this true? Like, And I think it's interesting. Um, discernment is a gift that it's like any kind of spiritual gift. I think the more that you use it, the more you get better at it. Like yeah. now when I hear things, it's like alarm bells go off right away when it's not, uh, yeah. that doesn't sound right. But I know lots of people uh, I've talked to them. They're like, wait a second. What's so wrong with Kenneth Copeland? Yeah. Like he talks about Jesus. He, he opens his Bible on stage and you go, okay, let's listen to what he's saying, right? Yeah. Because I think I, I've had, what's so wrong with Joel Osteen? I don't get, he's so, he's so positive. I literally had a conversation with someone when the, she was like, I listen to Joel Osteen and I always feel so encouraged and he's so positive and he uses the Bible. So what's so wrong about it? So we, we kind of unpacked, what is he actually teaching though? Yep. Right. And then test that against what the Bible actually says yeah so i think it's important that we actually know the bible and know how to read it i don't know correctly or in in context so that when uh speakers say things or preachers say things we go wait a second that doesn't sound quite right like yeah uh, even you know i'll use the example we used recently when the guy was like yeah nehemiah chapter one uh, this proves that intercessory prayer oh, yeah. is is real yep. because Nehemiah one says um, that Nehemiah prayed on behalf of the people confessing their sins. So if you don't know your Bible, you go, "Wow, I never knew that. That's amazing." But if you go to Nehemiah one, he says that I've, I uh, pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel. Yeah. And so the guy goes, "See, but keep reading." which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. Huh? So, but you get what I'm saying? Like if you don't know your Bible, you would hear someone say you can pray as someone else and confess their sin for them. And you would go, well, he said Nehemiah one, I guess it's in the Bible, but testing the spirits would be, wait a second. Where in Nehemiah one? Yeah. Let's read the verses before and and after. And I think too, to recognize the, the like, specifically the context, I could see where some people would read that and even read further and be like, no, but he's still doing what sure. he talked about. I think it's important to recognize there the difference then to not to beat the dead horse that we already talked about in the last episode. Um, <laughs> but there is something to say about the fact that, you know, I, there have been times where I have prayed for say the youth ministry or for the young adults group and been like, man, father, we are messed up. Like help us. Yeah, totally. Yep. But I would argue that that's just a presenting of a people not being like, Hey, I am this person. Sure. Right. On behalf of this person, I repent. It's like that. Yeah. Nowhere in scripture is that taught. Yeah. The idea of lifting up a people or the idea of, of, uh, interceding in the sense of stepping up and, and reminding God of his promises for his people. That's something we see in scripture, but not as in like, I am this person or I am this people in, in myself. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. So I think the biggest way that we test the spirits and practice discernment is by knowing the word of God, especially like, in its context and what the author meant, what was their intention yeah. and, and just learning and growing 
uh, I've, all, I've, I've always joked about this, that one time I just want to preach a really heretical message. And just see? As like a case study and see how many people come to me and are like, uh, that was wrong. Horrible. Or to see how many people are like, that was great. Thanks for the message. Yeah. To be like, you weren't even listening. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. I'm not necessarily encouraging you to do it, but it would be interesting to see what what the fruit might be of being like, look, you guys aren't listening at all. Yeah. Like you're, you're but yeah, I just, I'm like, I, yeah, if I'm, would it cause more damage than good? Maybe, but I'm like, but it would be an interesting experiment to yeah. be like, preach this heretical message just yeah. to see, are you guys actually listening? Yeah. Right. So I don't know if we need to, you know, keep, I, I think we, I think we answered well. it. Okay. So test the spirits, know your Bible. Yep. All right, should we uh, unpack our second question? Yep. But before we do, your uh, heating system here in your office sounds like somebody's <laughs> gut after they ate Taco Bell. Just sitting there gurgling. It's a little bit weird. Oh, yeah. Our heating system at the church is quite interesting. <laughs> your office for a while was like, what was the sound it was making? It was just like a horrible screeching noise. Like, like yeah, it was all bad. the time. Like I, I walked in and I was like, you know what? I can maybe try and do this. And then like to get my mind off of it, I would have had to have both headphones in, crank my music. And I probably still could have heard it. So I didn't work in my office for like a week. I just oh, went man. and worked in the youth room. Cause I was like, it's too much. I love it. Next topic. Okay, here though, we go. This amazing. guy sent a question. Is, I love says, it. What is the tree of life that's talked about in Genesis two and three? And why didn't God want man to eat of its fruit after the fall? Thanks. So uh, I'll just read when uh, the the account in Genesis 2. There's a few verses um, that talk about God creates this garden. In the region of Eden. Yes. And it says, um, it it names all these rivers and, uh, oh, that's after, sorry. And then it says, out of the ground, this is verse 9 of chapter 2. Out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And then it says the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then if you skip down, uh, you know, the writer names a bunch of rivers and blah, blah, blah. And it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but... Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So we'll get to the verses after the fall. But I don't know. Initial thoughts are things that come to mind when you think of these two trees. So many thoughts. So many. Where to start? Um, I've heard it said uh, that when you are reading the narrative of Genesis here in chapter two, when he's talking about the trees and stuff, it's almost like you get this image of uh, the tree sprouting up. And as you're like panning over. So by that, I mean like, as you like turn your head, you're like looking at all the trees that are good to eat and stuff. And then in the midst, so in the middle of the garden, you see the tree of life and with the tree of life right near it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It doesn't explicitly say here that the mm-hmm. tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the middle of the garden, yep. but it's, it's implied with the fact that, uh, and in the midst of the garden was the tree of life 
and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, yeah. right? So you have two trees in the center of a garden that God has created for mankind to work it and keep it and exercise being his image bearers within. Um, yeah. So I think for me, it's just a, a right off the bat, it's a really strong image of God's provision, um, the, yeah. the tree of life. Um, it, it brings up all sorts of theories. So I don't know how many rabbit holes you want to, dive down yeah i mean the other big besides we um, besides the the few verses that talk about um after the fall i mean revelation 22 you get this picture of the new heavens and the new earth and it it talks about in revelation chapter uh, 22 the the angel shows john this river of the water of life and it's flowing down the middle of the the street and then it says also on either side of the river the tree of life so think about uh, yeah. So on both sides of a river, there's one tree, which is interesting. It's like, how does that work? Yeah. With its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healings, healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and lamb will be in it. And, and it's all these great things. But you see, you get to the very end and, and there's, this, there's this river of life flowing through the street. And then there's a the tree of life, which we can assume same one is in Genesis. There's only one tree of life talked about purpose and it's growing, but it says there's one tree of life on both sides of the river. So it's kind of like this interesting imagery. Right. So um, for me, I'm like, okay, so God puts a tree of life, um, which I'm assuming. And it's interesting. One commentary, uh, one little comment I read in my study Bible uh, which I think is good. It says, um, since relatively little is said about these trees, any understanding of them must be derived from the role that they play within the account of Genesis 2 and 3. So I think there's lots of things that we can like speculate. Well, it maybe wasn't an it's apple. This. Was it maybe a it's this. Yep. Maybe it's a... But I appreciate it that the study Bible's like, well, to be, it's fine to like think about things. Yeah. But all we're really told is the role that they play. Like, what kind yeah. of tree was it? How big was it? I'm so glad you brought up the role because it, it's incredibly important. Are you yeah. done your thought? Because I'll let you finish. Well, I was going to say, like, for me, I, I – and we're going to get into, like, were they real trees or metaphorical trees? Where where I land is uh, I think the tree of life has something to do with eternal life, mm-hmm. like living forever. Yep. And then I think the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the idea of – um. Well, one, I think God put it there as a way to say to humanity, trust me, obey me. Yeah, it was trust, a test. Trust that I have your best interest. Let me be the one that decides good and evil for you. Yeah. And so I, I think, in my opinion, they were both probably real trees. And I, it's fascinating that God says you can eat every tree except for the tree. So they were allowed to eat from the tree of life. Yeah. You can eat of any tree. And you, he doesn't say, but not the tree of life too. So yeah. you can assume that Adam and Eve were eating from the tree of life. Yeah. But, and who knows how long I've always, yeah. yeah people are or like, how, how many times, how or... long did they stay? I'm like, we're never told. Yeah. Was it a day? Well, we can assume it was probably more than a day. Yeah. But was it a year? Was it a thousand years? Like, yeah. we don't know, right? Yeah. Like, it's just really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I When you talk about the roles, that is something that I think we have to like, are we talk about it so often so i don't want it to sound like 
like, oh, they're talking about this again. But in, in our North American context, in our culture, we simply don't understand some of the significance of some of these, whether they were real with symbolism attached. Sure. Right? We don't understand the context in which this is. Because if we're like, tree of life, great. Who cares, right? We have, sure. Like, we have trees everywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, it's fall now, so everything's getting ready for winter so we don't have the luscious green leaves everywhere Mm -hmm. but you have to like just on a simple step take yourself into the middle east the the far middle east near middle east whatever you want to do yeah yeah. it's barren everywhere right you have little spaces of oasis where you have water and trees and green life but other than that it is not like that for the most part right totally so you have to take yourself into the context of these authors so the fact of planting a garden in this area where there's this luscious life and yahweh is the giver of this life who gives the humans good food to eat and continue and the ability to eat from a tree that gives them everlasting life like that, that would be incredible that God would provide something like this. It's mm-hmm. not just like we look and see all the spruce and poplars and all the berry bushes that we have around here, right? Like yeah. just about no matter where you hop off the highway in Fort St. John, if you walk for long enough, you'll find food on bushes during the summer, right? Not yeah. like that. It's more like winter uh, for us. But if you were to randomly find a tree that was yeah. living and producing in winter, we wouldn't expect it, right? Because it's, it's not common and so let's talk about this for a second because i think it's important to maybe clarify something yeah i i think when we talk about adam and eve eating from the tree of life i I don't think it's like a okay i ate this one time i ate this fruit from the tree of life one time i am now immortal forever yep i would agree because then if that was true then it would make no sense that Adam and Eve died later on. Yeah. After they're kicked out of it's the garden. It's a reoccurring. I think happening. it's this kind of like God saying, I'm actually going to sustain your life. Yeah. Right. Because, so I don't think it's like, uh, you know, we think of like a superhero, like I ate this magic fruit and now I'm immortal forever. They transmutated into no, an immortal. No, I think being. it was yeah, a, no. it was a, yeah, God sustaining them with life. Um, but I think also one of the reasons that human beings lived for so long immediately after the fall is because there was after effects Interesting. of eating from the tree of life. Hmm. Yeah. Cause Adam and Eve, like they lived till they're 800, 900, like, and that, yeah. I, I think the curse of sin, uh, affects us physically. Yeah. But if you think about like Adam and Eve, who knows for how long had been eating from the tree of life. And being sustained by God. That's interesting. Never thought about it like that. And again, like, hear me out. I'm not saying like, let's, let's build a doctrine about uh, just a theory, but I just a... go, it's interesting that as you see time go on, human beings live less and less and less. And it's like, yeah, it, this is just my like imagination going, okay. Did the effects of the tree of life just wear off as generations went on? Could be. Maybe. Yeah. And then it's like after the flood, God says, okay, no one's going to live past 120. He's, he like puts a cap on it. What do you do about the people that have lived? I know. I know. That's the other thing. I'm like, yeah. maybe that's a different podcast episode. Yeah. God said it and, and then it didn't happen. But I think, so I think it's just, I wanted to say that because I think we have this view of like this radioactive fruit that Adam and Eve ate and now I'm immoral, yeah. immortal forever. Yeah. I think it was like an ongoing eat from the tree of life. Yeah. Let God be the one who sustains your life. So there's a, a couple of, really interesting things that I just want to add to this. If you're at all being like, uh, I, I don't know, like I'm pretty sure it's just this. 
this is not my research. This was done by someone else. Uh, I believe, if I'm correct in how I'm reading this research, it's from Matthew Sleeth, Reforesting Faith. Uh, tree in the NIV, this is specific to the NIV Bible, Tree is mentioned 293 times. Fruit is mentioned 212 times. Branch is mentioned 107 times. Root is mentioned 57. Forest is mentioned 51. Vine is mentioned 72 times. Leaf is mentioned 19 times. It's an interesting piece of Bible trivia. What is the most frequently mentioned living thing in the Bible other than God and humans? Trees. And when you add those numbers together... It's 811. No, I'm just, kidding. <laughs> I'm just 811. Kidding. And that doesn't even count like specific naming oh, yeah. of like olive trees oh, yeah. or, or the acacia or oak or whatever. Yep. That's just that. So I even to other cultures, because this is something that I don't think Christians are comfortable with, um, is yeah. looking at other cultures to to get context for what the nations were thinking. Because uh it's just something we're not comfortable with. But even there's an Egyptian god, I believe her name is Newt. Um, and she is often depicted in a tree mm-hmm. watering the land and the fruit from her breast, making it so that when people take mm-hmm. from the tree, they would get life. Um, and so it, it's not a foreign concept to see people in that area of the world at that time looking to trees as a source of life and regeneration. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing, and this is something that I, I again, I'm going to build on what you said. The, the idea that Adam, Adam and Eve would have had to be consistently partaking of this is interesting, too, because it would then therefore state that we are nothing but dust, right? From dust we're made to dust we shall return. Yeah, totally. Without the tree of life, that would have happened. But I think it's important to recognize that I think um, if I can find the quote, because it was really, really cool. Um, basically, the idea is like... I, the tree of life is not some magical tree in and of itself, hmm. right? Like it, it does not, God did not create this tree to have the magical power to do this. I mean, we're reading that it does. So God in his sovereignty has designed it to do that. Hmm. Um, but the idea is like, if you look at the greater context of scripture, I think the idea is that humanity has to draw close to where God is providing life hmm. for life eternal, and, and the reason I say that is even if you look into the New Testament, Jesus is the true vine, right? Like there's, um, which book is it that has the prophecy about the, the new sprout being sprouted yeah, up? Isaiah. Isaiah, right? Yep. The imagery is that it's we like would come. from the stump. Yeah. So you think about a tree that's been cut down yeah. from the stump of Jesse. It's like this new sprout's going to sprout up from this. Yeah, 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 exactly what yep. I'm talking about. And the idea, even Jesus, you know, asking people to partake of him and stuff and mm-hmm. uh, the imagery is that we draw close to, to God because that yeah. is what um, even even on the concept of, of God asking his people to trust him, you know, be wise and follow me, follow my wisdom. Don't go and try to be like gods on your own. You mm. already are. Continue to, to live in my wisdom and humanity chooses not to. Um, that idea, the, the fact like living in God's wisdom is living as image bearers of God, right? Continuing yeah. to do that without sin for eternity would have imaged God well, right? Yeah, totally. And so then the idea that, that Jesus, when he uh, talks about his, his take up my yoke for my burden is easy. Um, I just heard a sermon on that this early this week and like, it's it's the idea of like the the yoke the burden that Christ carries mm-hmm. or carried 
was being in relationship with God Mm -hmm. perfectly. So that's why it's easy is because we'd be image bearing God well. So that's a tangent maybe. Well, there's so many. And then, yeah, I mean, Jesus is nailed to a tree. You know, there's so much, so yep. much imagery and in, in Deuteronomy and in Galatians, it says curses anyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus hangs on a tree and he's yeah bearing the curse of God to bring us life. Like, and yep. then he, I it just came to me like in revelation when it's talking the letters to the churches, um, to the church in Ephesus, it's this idea of like, Hey, conquer till the end. And then it says to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which yeah. is in the paradise of God. Psalm chapter one is another yeah. phenomenal place. It says it's that like somebody who blessed is the man yeah. who does not walk in the ways of the wicked. Yeah. Yeah. Counsel the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree uh-huh. planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and does not leave. And its leaf does not wither and all that he does. He prospers mm-hmm. like, the image of of being with God, right? Like the the Hebrew law, the Hebrew Bible was all about following God and how to do that well. Yeah. And so the man that does that, the man that is reads like the tree. law, is like a tree, totally producing life, right? Yeah. So I I think I think as Christians in North America, we have to try and and wrestle through uh, recognizing that there are things that literally happen in scripture yeah but that doesn't mean that those literal happenings don't have a symbolic nature oh totally um yeah. i don't remember if it was on the podcast or not but there's uh, a prime example if you're like oh, i don't know how to like feel about that I, I don't know if that's comfortable to see literal things but recognize how much rich symbolism is behind them yeah if you're wearing a wedding wedding ring and you're not comfortable with that you should take it off because it is a physical object that has a ton of symbolism behind sure. it right yeah. It's a similar concept, right? Uh So we look at things like the tree of life and I think like the way I would interpret scripture, I would say, yeah, I do believe that there was a literal tree of life that Adam and Eve partook of. Sure. But you, you have to at least consider the symbolism behind those things and look at the rest of scripture and see what it points to. Right. Yep. Totally. Yeah, I think so. Then you get to Genesis three, and the you know fall. God says, "Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." Essentially, yeah, let me be the one who decides good and evil for you. Just trust me. Yeah. And then the serpent comes and says, "You know, did God really say that you can't eat of any tree in the garden?" And you know, it's just back and forth. And then it says, "You know, Eve partakes and gives some to Adam, and their eyes are open. They realize they're naked. They go and hide. And they're ashamed." Yeah, God comes and he pronounces curses on the serpent, on Adam, on Eve. Yep. And then it uh, uh, it's says that the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden to work the ground from which he, he was taken. He drove out the man. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So it's interesting to me. This is actually an unbelievable act of mercy from God to banish them, which we go like, oh, it was merciful. Yeah, because God says like, okay, now in their fallen state of wanting to know good and evil for themselves and essentially being broken, sinful people now. Yeah. Now, what if they go and eat from the tree of life? If they still have access to the tree of life, they're going to live forever in this broken, terrible. And you think about like 
two chapters, yep. which who right? Yep. It's like God says every single thought of everyone's heart was wicked all the time. So it's like God's like, you want to live like that forever? Yep. Right? Yep. So he banishes them and then he says he specifically puts uh, you know, an angel and a sword. Uh, to guard the way to the tree of life so that human beings don't go, let's go eat from the tree of life. Yeah. Because then they would live forever in a, it would be like hell on earth on earth yep. to live forever in a, in a terrible state that's disconnected from God. That's kind of like eternity in hell a little bit. Like, yep. so I think, you know, the guy asked like, why didn't God want man to eat of its fruit after the fall? Because he's merciful and he wanted to redeem mankind before yeah. they lived forever. Right. Yep. So, and that's why you get to the new heavens and the new earth. And it's like, if you make it to the end, come and eat yeah. because you've been saved. You've been redeemed. Yeah. You've been made perfect in Jesus. Now come and eat. Now, yeah. now you can come eat and live yeah. forever. Right. <laughs> and I think from a theological perspective too, there is an element of, uh, humanity was created to image God, male and female. We image him, uh, but mm-hmm. in our brokenness and in our sinfulness, we do not image God. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so t- the thought like, just logically speaking, I don't think God would have created image bearers to live forever as incredibly flawed image bearers when he was mm. creating something that was good, right? And so even even then the rest of the narrative of scripture is the idea that we are not perfect and we need to be redeemed. We need to be yeah. made new, given totally. new bodies. And so then fast forward all the way to Christ and that happens. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now we've been promised through our belief that that happens for us as well through sanctification up until the point of glorification. Uh, and then we are image bearers of God and, and to life eternal life unto the age. Right. Like it's, it's a very consistent picture throughout scripture. Totally. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think that he wouldn't have wanted them eating from that. Um, and so then, Something that I think does come up with this conversation often, I don't know that it necessarily will for everyone listening, but that seems kind of mean that God would even give that as an option to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. Like, isn't that kind of bad? So I think something that, uh, this is, this is a really interesting perspective. I'll quote it again. I'll admit I'm a, I'm a fanboy of Bible projects. Sure. Yeah. Um, but they they present the idea of um, the way they would communicate it. Sorry, I sure. should say it that way. The way they communicate it is a test and a trick depend on who they're coming from. Ooh, that's good. I like that. Yep. So I like it. If you think of the serpent coming in, what does he do? We we as North Americans can read that and be like, oh, he tricked Adam and Eve into yeah. that. He lied. He he, did. he deceived them. But in essence, it was a test. Because it was like, hey, do you believe me or do you believe God? They had to make a choice. One was right, right? one was wrong, right? So there's a test, but it was a trick because his intention, God putting the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a test to say, hey, do you trust me? Yeah. Right? The intention is different because if we had chosen, if humanity had chosen, if Adam and Eve had chosen to, to follow God's wisdom. Yeah there would have been great reward from that, right? Yeah. So I I think that's important to recognize is that God is not evil in intent by putting that there. Yeah. I think what it is is it shows his his ability to let us have free choice and be completely sovereign over it at the same time, allowing those things to happen so that he would be glorified ultimately. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a fantastic explanation. 
because you look yeah you look at the intention of the person that's doing it and the character of the person who's doing it yeah because even it says that the serpent was more crafty so right away in verse one of chapter three we're supposed to get the the idea of like this is not someone you should trust yeah like if someone said like writing a book about you now corlin was more crafty than anyone else in fort st john it would be like there's something off about this guy yep but when you look at god um his character is perfect and, and he, we've and already been shown that by genesis chapter yeah. three right like he oh, yeah, is sovereign he's he is powerful created. he cares yep totally right yeah that's i like that's really good so, we've even talked about like the difference between discipline and punishment yep is also largely to do with who's the one doing it and their relation to you yeah right when i as a father discipline my kids it's different than someone who has ill intention punishing them right? yeah and so it's it's similar, a similar kind of a yep. idea, which I think is actually quite, it's a great way to describe it, to wrap your mind around it. Cause you go, God is, God seems evil for putting this test in front of them. No, 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 no. Because look at who's the one testing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. So then even, even, uh, throughout the rest of scripture, right? Like God, it, we see Jesus in the garden with the test, right? S- so to speak, I'm using mm-hmm. that language. It's not said that it was a test. But the language that Jesus uses of like, please let this cup pass before yeah. me. Like I, I'm paraphrasing loosely. I recognize that some people might not be comfortable, but it's the idea of like, I don't like if there's any other way, yeah, please, but your will be done. Yeah, totally. Complete submission to the father so that there's, he passes the test in the garden. Yeah. Right. Um, and then compare that to when Satan tests, tempts Jesus. Yep. It's completely different. It's like, yep. hey, are you really the son of God? Yeah. Then do this trick. And it's kind of like. It's similar language. Yeah. Right? And then like, oh, are you just bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Or, hey, jump off the temple because God said he won't hurt you. He won't yeah. let you get hurt. Yeah. So it's completely. Yeah. The motive is so different than. Than God sending Jesus to the cross and Jesus wrestling with that in the garden. Like it's different. But Jesus ends up. Like, yeah. So Jesus rebukes Satan, but then he submits to his father. Yep. Right. So it's imaging God. Yeah, well, right. Totally. Being in relationship with him. It's, it's such a beautiful picture. So I would, I would encourage you if you haven't done some of those things, um, the Bible project has already done a lot of the work yeah, of like totally. picking out scriptures that you can look at. Um, they have a cool study on the tree of life specifically. Uh, they right. have a small video study. If you go to their website, not necessarily just YouTube, but if you go to their website and look up Bible studies, they have something that will bring you through just a, it's a short study. The video is probably yeah. five to 10 minutes long. And then my guess, I don't have it here in front of me. Oh, actually hold up. I do actually have that tab pulled up in front of me. It's five questions afterwards. Okay. Uh, four of which, three of which have scripture to be able to look at. Cool. Um, so yeah, it, I would definitely suggest is is remember, as we often say with scripture, we look at these things as isolated events, as as stuff like that, but it's scripture is not designed to be read that way, right? Sure. So look at the whole picture or or even look up in your concordance how many times the word tree is used or hmm. find that research, right? Like it's it's out there and those things I think can help us build that picture of why it's there. Yeah. And help flesh out our understanding. Totally. Well, I think we uh, successfully answered that question. I love it. But uh, did you have anything else? 
Oh boy! Because uh, <laughs> we've only been recording for thirty nine minutes. That short episode this or, week, or uh, if not, like I don't, I got nothing. This got brain nothing is empty. So uh, <laughs> my my brain is right full. I bet um, it is, but I just I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I just thought I'd ask. But it could be a shorter episode. That's fine. I think if there was something that I'd like to talk about, um, would be. Probably the idea of like how to actually read your Bible. And I don't mean the like in the context. We've, we talk about that all the time. But like mm-hmm. when it actually comes to like how do you how do you sit down and make good practices of reading scripture? And what does that look like in the Christian life? Right. Like we we hear um, in our youth, we did a, a study on Muslim belief and, and Nabil yeah. Qureshi just explained what his life was like. And like his morning routine of like when you wake up and before you open your eyes, you're praying to Allah. And, and then like, mm. as you go, everything that you do in your morning routine is supposed to like call back to, to remind you of that. Wow. And as Christians, like I, it made, there was a few of us in, in the youth group and, and even for myself, it's like, man, like if I took my relationship with Yahweh that seriously, like I'm not saying that like we could move mountains, so to speak, but like, we we as Christians cry out so often of like, yeah, I just don't feel like I'm getting anything. Yeah. And our devotional time is five minutes long and uh-huh. we spent the last six hours scrolling Facebook. Uh, yeah. Right. Um. So, yeah, I guess j- we talk about it being about the Christian life. So I don't know. I know for me getting into scripture, I can study at work and that that works great for me. Yep. I, I don't mind that. But actually in my personal life, if I'm being honest, I do at times find it really hard to have that like totally over and over again devotion of going to the word. So I yeah. don't know. Do you have any like yeah, pastoral wise advice? Uh, uh, I'm glad that you're honest because it's it's d- depending on seasons of life. It's the same for me. Like I, you know, people joke like, well, Andrew, you're like a professional Christian because you're <laughs> that's what we pay you to do. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, OK, that's funny. That's but I. <laughs> I do. I study the Bible uh, every day to prepare for theology classes and for sermons and for Bible yep. studies and blah, blah, blah. And I love it. It's great. But I agree. There are times in my life when I'm like at home and I wake up and I'm like, uh, and if I'm just being honest, there's thoughts when I'm like, I know I need to read the Bible and it's good for me, but I just don't really feel like it right now. Yeah. Um, so I think one, that's normal. Yeah. So I think we want to, we don't want to, but I, I'm not, we're not saying like, that's no, okay. D- don't worry about it. Yeah. But it, to not feel the shame of like, I'm the only one that struggles with I reading must the be Bible. the only Christian that hates reading. Yeah. But it's, it is normal. But then there's been times when in my own personal life, um, I've just loved waking up and before, you know, making some coffee and the house is dark and no one else is asleep. And I've loved reading my Bible. Yeah. I don't know that it, whether it's what's going on in your life or the season that you're in, if you're just like, but I know that there's lots of times when I've had to like purposefully um, force myself because I know that it is good for me yep. regardless. And I remember, you know, speaking of uh, fanboying, uh, <laughs> but John Collins from the Bible project, he talked about that, that he went through a season where um, he read the Bible and he didn't feel like he was getting anything out of it but he knew that it was good for him. Yeah. So he was like, regardless if I go, Oh, it was just such this sweet moment in the morning. Yep. He just, I just have to, and I've, I'm like, yes. And amen. I've been there where, yeah. um, it's like, I'm going to get up 
I'm going to read in Isaiah and I might yeah. read a few chapters yeah. and feel like I don't feel like I got anything out of it. Yeah. But the word of God is living and active, right? And the spirit of God speaks through it. Not just when you've lit a candle and, you know, said a magic prayer. And- he speaks through it every time it's opened. Yeah. So I think a lot of times it's just the discipline of like, I'm in a season of maybe not enjoying it as much, but I know that it's good for me. Do you think it's comparable like just to try and connect it to other things in our lives for some people that might be helpful to be like, Oh, that's not just an isolated event. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there are times that I absolutely love cooking for my entire family. Sure. Love it. Enjoy it thoroughly. Like I feel like I'm, I'm, I don't know how to explain it. It's life giving to me, not in the sense of like it replaces Jesus, but in the yeah. sense of like, I, I feel energized after Cause I'm like, that's cool. I got to care for my family. And then there are also times where I'm like, this is why on earth do we eat so much? <laughs> Could I just go like three weeks without eating anything? Cause I don't want to prepare food ever again in my life. Oh, man. So I, I get it. That's maybe a weird yeah. example to pull yeah. in, but I don't think it's an isolated event yeah. with specifically scripture. It's like, that's not the only thing I think yeah. that humans get tired of with yeah. quotation marks. So I think there's, there's resources that can help you. Like I found sometimes a Bible reading plan is really good Yeah. because then I know just like, do you do them with friends or just by yourself? Just me and uh, me and Molly did one together, but it's funny. Like I'm, I'm, I'm two months behind. Yeah, and I know you are too. And you no, like, I'm way more. I did Bible in a year, and I'm on my third year. Yeah, I did Bible it. in nine months, and uh, right now I'm reading the the June ones: June, yeah. July, August, September, October. Yeah. So like, because there's just times when I miss a day, and then I'm like, and it. Anyways, I'm trying to make excuses for myself. Whatever. I'm behind <laughs> I'm behind in my Bible. But I have found that that was helpful because then it took the the like, okay, I'm going to sit and what am I going to read? It was yeah. just kind of like, okay, someone has laid out uh, really intentionally. Yeah. And I, I found that really helpful. Mm. And it, it didn't become to me the like, oh, I just got to read it to check the box. Clearly, because yeah. I'm like four months behind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I have found that so helpful because it took the guesswork of like, I don't know, I guess I'll just flip to Yes, that's Nehemiah, exactly what Nehemiah I was just going to say. Because I was like, okay, I'm reading through Romans right now in my Bible reading plan. It's good. So, I can turn to it and know exactly where I left off. I don't need a bookmark. Yeah. I can just, and yeah. then there's like lots of, even with technology, there's so many Bible reading plans through the Bible app, through Read Scripture, which is the Bible Project app. There's so many ones that are so intentional and really helpful so like take advantage of those resources yeah i think one of the things for uh there's a couple of things that i've noticed because it's gotten better over the last few years when i was a teen and and like young young adult i hardly ever read uh for like consistent amounts of time yeah um two things that i or not maybe more than two but two things off the top of my head that definitely helped is one um understanding the narrative of scripture in its whole. So uh, there's lots of people that have great resources on that. Um, But understanding why things connect, like not just knowing the individual stories of like, okay, there was a flood. Okay. They got out of Egypt. Okay. Then they got to the promised land. Okay. Then there was a spy that let went into the promised land and got let down by someone's head. Like just not just knowing the stories, but knowing like the actual like timeline 
has helped. Sure. Because then when I go into scripture, it's like, oh, right, these things are happening around. So then it, it just helps memory. And I don't know, it, it's more fun when you know yeah, some totally. of those things. Yeah, um, And then the other thing that I have noticed, um, and I'm still learning how to do this well, so I'm not trying to like, don't hear listener that I'm propping myself up as like, this works every time. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, schedule. Yeah. Helps. Yep. Um, I think it's really easy with schedule to fall into like the religiosity of it in mm-hmm. the sense of like, this will make me a good Christian. Um, and it, that's not the intention for me behind it. For me, it was, um, I often recognized that my excuse was like, I feel like I don't have time. Yeah, sure. And I, I, I hate to be one of those people, but that is an utter and complete lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have 24 hours in a day. You sleep for maybe six of them, eight of them, depending on who you are. And you only work for about eight of them, depending on who you are. Might be more some days. Yeah, sure. That leaves a lot of time <laughs> for scrolling Facebook and Instagram <laughs> and playing video games and going for coffee with friends and stuff. And so for me, I think something that has helped me, uh, this just a, a personal thing, um, I had tried to get into a schedule, obviously got thrown off with the conference that I was just at and whatnot, which is sad because I could have easily done it. Yeah. Um, as just in the morning, I'll listen to my Bible. I, hmm. I continue my reading plan, um, but I'll listen. If I can, I'll, I'll scroll through it and read as well. But often if it's like I wake up, Aaron's still sleeping, Gemma's asleep, and I will go for a walk with Thunder and just put headphones in and listen really intentionally because all I'm doing is walking. Yeah. I don't, it's not like I, like I actually can focus on it and, and meditate on what scripture says. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so for me, that's something that I found in this season has, has been really helpful. And so I, I, I don't know, I guess what I would encourage is, is maybe find a schedule and, and commit to it. I, hmm. it sounds religious but i think that there is elements of if we believe that the word of god is living and alive and it becomes and it's already one of those things where it feels like work make it something where it isn't Hmm. right yeah listen to it or or uh read it a a short amount but make sure that you know the context like get into a reading plan so you have other things to build on you're not just picking a verse randomly every day yeah but read a a chapter and go from there right you might find yourself getting into it where you're like, man, this is cool. I got to keep reading. Yeah, totally. Who knows? Right. Uh, the other thing is, is consistency. I found that Mm -hmm. in the times of my life where I am consistent with scripture reading, I'm more excited to do it again. Oh, totally. Yep. I would agree. So yeah, that's good, man. Well, this has been episode 91, 91. And, uh, Hopefully that's been helpful and interesting for you. Uh, like we always say, please keep sending questions. These are really good ones that have been sent in. You can always email us or message us or whatever. Um, or and, whatever. And yeah, whatever. <laughs> and make sure you like and subscribe and share it with your friends. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I think I'm one of the only ones who have left a review on our own Actually. podcast. <laughs> I was like, this podcast is amazing. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, hopefully this has been helpful. And we will talk to you guys next week.